That's one small step for brands. One giant leap for brand kind. You're listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code PERFY for 15% off today. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Food Chain presented by PERFY. Today we've got Zoe Khan with us. Zoe handles CX at Chomps and also is a co-host of the Oopsie podcast. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Thank you. I'm really excited. I was very happy to be invited on here, so I'm excited to dive in. And Oh, yeah. I've been waiting to give you this fun tidbit before we go into oh. about you. My dog's name is Zoe, and my middle name is Zorin, and my mom's name is Zora. And Perfy's like, actual legal company name is Forzo, Forzo Inc. So that's like a fun little Easter egg for you that I'd share. What did you say your, your mom's name is? Zora. Z-O-R-A. Yeah, and my That's middle my, name is, what's that? My grandma's name is Zora. No way. I've never met another Zora. That's so cool. I have the male version of that name, so my middle name is Z-O-R-A-N. Oh, that's so cool. I get that a lot, though, the, oh, my dog's name is Zoe. It's very common. But not the Zora part. I That's very surprising, but I'm named after my grandma, so that's Zoe, cool. Zoe's named after my mom. I just didn't want to call my dog Zora. Yeah, yeah, that would be a little bit weird, but that's so yeah. cool. But I would share that with you. Zoe, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I will go way back into my GNC days, really. Actually, I could go one step earlier than that. I've always been into health and wellness, fitness. I actually wanted to be a dietitian when I was growing up, and that's actually kind of what I went to what I was going to school for. I wanted to be a dietitian, or I thought I did, because I was very into health and wellness, but I was always trying to do things that would prepare me for that career. And so I just would dive into learning about different healthy foods and whatever. I did a lot of those, followed a lot of those health myths and learned what was a myth and what wasn't coming out of high school and stuff. And then I actually worked at like Planet Fitness so I could get gym experience. That was an interesting experience. And then while I was going to school, I started working at GNC as that was, I just wanted to do that as like my side job. I thought it was cool to get some experience and learn more about supplements. And I actually fell in love with the supplement world because I was able to apply what I was learning in my science classes for being a dietitian, the organic chemistry and stuff. I was learning about the organic molecules of that were making up these supplements. So it was very interesting for me and I was able to apply that science into my current job. But I ended up loving GNC so much eventually that I took a break from school and just managed GNCs full-time for four and a half years. And then I actually was over GNC and I was like, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to be a dietitian this time for real. And But so I, when I was leaving GNC, I actually got poached by Ghost Lifestyle because I grew up in, or I was at the time managing GNCs in Chicago and that's where the ghost headquarters were. So the sales reps would come, one sales rep. There there was only like four people who worked at Ghost at the time. And CJ would come into my store and drop off samples. And so I got to know the team at Ghost and 
Dan, the owner of Ghost, was he would come. They were like so small, not so small, but they were small enough then when where Dan would come to GNC meetings and do like the sales calls at the GNC manager meetings. So I met him there. And when I was leaving GNC, they told me that there was just like a part-time customer support role open at Ghost and that I'd be a good fit for it because I know the supplement knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, sure. Like I could do that while I'm focusing on being a dietitian this time. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to be a dietitian. And then I ended up loving Ghost so much that I stopped going to school again. <laughs> and I just focused on building my career at Ghost in on that end. And I loved it. I loved being able to be on that side of the supplement world rather than the retail side. I got to see what goes into formulating a product, what problems can happen, what like forecasting inventory, fixing issues, dealing with the consumers on a brand side, building the brand. And I ended up being there for a little over two and a half years. And I started as just literally a part-time customer support agent. And I think I had 15 hours a week when I started. And then I ended up managing that support team. And we have eight support people while when I was leaving that I was overseeing. And that's how I like got into the D2C e-com world because I worked on that that e-com team. But while at Ghost 2, they launched Ghost Gamer. And we, as we do in like a bootstrap, very wear many hats, scrappy team. When we lost, we when we lost, launched Ghost Gamer, we started our own Twitch account and Discord and everything. And I had no idea what those things were. And if you're not into like gaming, you might not know what those are either. But I volunteered to moderate. So basically just pay attention to the community and be in the chats and join the Discord and delete things that weren't allowed or just keep the chat active kind of thing. And I that's how I came across like the gaming world. If you had told me that people watched gaming, like other people play video games for fun, I was like, why would you do that if you could just play the video game? I just didn't understand it until I was like in that world and that community, the gaming community is like crazy. It's the bonding that the gaming community has with each other. It's like literally no other like brands who we all talk about, like building these communities. There's something about building a gaming community that's just different. It's like team building, interactive, like very everyone has a really good sense of humor and it, you're just like trolling each other all the time once i got into that i actually ended up falling in love with the gaming world too and they would put me on like the twitch stream the ghost twitch stream and be like haha zoe doesn't know how to play call of duty let's put her in for a game and just watched her get watch her get annihilated like very funny so i would like every once in a while play on the ghost twitch stream just for fun and then I ended up just spending so much time and effort and like of my mind on it that I ended up buying a used PC from my coworker Ricky, who's now the I think his he's like the esports manager at Ghost now. I bought that from him and then I just started playing. And of course, this was like perfect timing because that's when the pandemic started. And so I had a really fun activity to do and be I was able to hang out with my workers virtually then and play games and i just started my own twitch channel because i was like if i'm going to be playing games i might as well try to use it and i my quality of my twitch stream absolutely sucked when i first started it it was like embarrassing i can go back and look at clips of just i'm like why did i think it was okay to press go live but it was fun because my like twitch stream grew with my like gaming abilities i had no i like hadn't played 
like first person shooter games ever. And so I started started streaming and playing first person shooter games at the same time. So my my like community of gaming got to see me get better. And that's like how I spent my the entire COVID. I would work all day, get off work, stream, game, go to sleep at 3 a.m. and do it again. And that's how I spent like my entire COVID. It was a lot of fun. It was a different world. And I'm sure those who play Warzone remember the COVID Warzone days. It was the best thing ever. A blessing in disguise. I actually, from that experience, I got, because I also like post fitness stuff and gaming things on Instagram, I got approached by a TV show that were looking for fitness people who were like also into gaming which is at the time, it's hard to find sometimes. Now I think it, there's more people, but I got approached by this TV show saying, oh, you'd be perfect candidate for this. It sounded like such a scam. And they were like, there's this new streaming platform. It's called Peacock, which Peacock wasn't a thing. Oh new streaming platform, Peacock. And we're going to send you to Australia and we're going to pay you. And going to Australia during COVID was like, there's no way you can get out into Australia during COVID. So it sounded like this big scam, but I was like, this is interesting. It's like coming from like NBC because NBC owns Peacock. And I just started researching it more. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to the first interview, like whatever. And then I was like, I kept passing these interviews to get onto this TV show and I made it on. And I didn't think that I would actually make it on. But then I was like, I had this hard decision to make because I had to go to, it was like, keep my job that I love ghost. Like it was so fun and I loved that job or go to Australia for six weeks for free, get paid for it and be on this TV show, which who knows if it's going to be great or it flops, like whatever. So I actually ended up deciding to quit my job and I went to, I just quit my job and I went to Australia for six weeks, filmed this TV show. It's on Peacock episode four. You can watch it. It's Frogger. It's like a, it's like a wipeout type game or game show based on the, the game Frogger. So they like set up obstacle courses like Frogger. It's very interesting. You guys can watch it and see how I did and stuff. But after that, I just came back to the US and just streamed and played video games full time for six months. So I totally changed my career path. I was like, whatever. I didn't even look for another job because I was making not crazy money, but I was making enough to pay my bills and I was just playing video games. So I was like, what's better than that? And then eventually I got Chomps reached out to me. And if you guys don't know what Chomps is, a better for you meat snack and think like the much healthier version of a Slim Jim, a snack you can trust and very clean protein. They reached out to me because the uh, one of the accountants, someone on the fi- finance team used to work with me at Ghost and they said that the customer experience team was hiring. And I said no twice because I was like, I don't want to get back into, I don't know, it's not a, depending on how the company handles it, it could be not the best. Like it's a very stressful job. You're just putting out fires all the time and like dealing with the, a lot of times the escalations are like angry customers. And I was like, no, like I'm, why would I do that? I'm playing video games. Like, no. But I ended up just going to like the interviews and I really liked the brand and the owners. Pete and Rashid are amazing. They're so great. They were actually just on How I Built This, the podcast. Really great leaders. And after I learned more about them and the company and what they stand behind and what their mission is for like the US or like the, changing the way snacks are and you get this too with Perfy. It's like they have like very similar morals where it's just like 
very feel good, happy, creating great habits, positivity. And I just entertained like the offer and ended up accepting the position. And I've been here for a year and a half now, and I absolutely love it. It's been such a great experience. I've learned so much. I've gone outside of like the whole customer service experience and learned about retention, email marketing, SMS marketing, and community building. So I've just learned so much, but that's where I am today and how I got here. Oh yeah. I've got some notes for (laughs) things I want to zoom in on in that story. Yeah. First of which is, this is my favorite flavor ghost. I'm not sure if you could see it. Oh, you got the sour green apple. Okay. Sour green apple. sold out at my local Chevron. I think I bought all of them. I love what they're doing with IP. I don't want to go into it too much, but they're co-brands with Sour Patch Kids and Starburst and Skittles. I think they've done all, it's insane and so well done. Yeah. When I first started, so at GNC, I saw them do, they had Warheads and then they just had locked down the Sour Patch and they did like the watermelon Sour Patch in like a BCAA flavor. And it was so good. That was my favorite BCAA. And then, yeah, they have, they were really like one of the first people to actually do co-branded flavors and get them these flavors approved by the actual brands. It used to be like a protein company would have cinnamon cereal milk, and but they'd want to taste like, like whatever the, or fruity this, and they wanted it to taste like fruity charms, but they, nobody ever talked to these companies and got it approved to be like co-brand with them. So it was, they, it's really cool to see that behind the scenes as well. Yeah. So well done. I think they had a Swedish fish one. Is that them or Swedish a different? Swedish fish. Yep. Yeah. They've got, and they have that in the energy too. Crazy. We're going to go to gaming in a second. I want to jump into Chomps. I think Chomps is one of the coolest stories. When I left Quest, I went to another place and that's when I first ran into Chomps and they were branded in Trader Joe's. And that has to, had to have been one of, I I didn't listen to the, how I built this podcast. I need to, because I want to hear about how that one one happened to how it just, how it like catapulted the brand. Cause I hadn't seen them anywhere else outside of Trader Joe's at that time. Yeah, the story is so cool and also has the best onboarding experience. Pete and Rashid sit down and talk to you about like how the brand came to be. And it, I'm, it was such a great like just onboarding experience in the brand. But the Trader Joe story is really cool. You'll have to listen to how I built this. But somehow like the VP, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but like somebody from like marketing got a hold of Pete's like cell phone number somehow and just called him one day and he like thought it was like a prank he couldn't believe it and they asked for like way more inventory than they could even say yes to and yes guys they did go back and forth for a little bit because they wanted to like white label the chomps and have it like Trader Joe's branded instead of it being chomps and Pete stood his foot down and was like I'm like no we are chomps if you guys want us take it or leave it so it's a really cool story but that is what like started the brand's like major success is just getting into Trader Joe's and then from now we're in like not all retailers but we're in like Costco's, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, like Hy-Vee, Sprouts, like so many. You could go on to chops.com and see you can get chops around you pretty much everywhere in the U.S. now and it's really cool. I got so excited when you were saying that thing. I couldn't control myself and I'm going to save it for our third topic, which is going to be all about chomps. I've got so many fun things I want to chat about with them. But before we do, uh, let's chat about gaming, gaming and food and beverage. So I first have a confession. I did. I doubted gaming early on. Like I was at Quest when like Yoni Ginsburg, he handled Quest Nutrition's gaming. It was QN game. And we had deals with, oh man, Team Liquid and Piglet and all them. And you probably still find those videos online, I hope. But he built that out so quick. And I was like, man, I wonder how this is going to turn out. 
and fast forward, we all left after 2016 and he's still big name in, the, in esports. but it's so cool how food and beverage brands and gaming go so hand in hand. Yeah, I also doubted it because it, until you're in it, you really don't understand it, especially if you're not on Twitch or like in these Discord channels or even like YouTube gaming where it's like ever, all this live gaming is just a different world. It's truly a different world, but gaming is a billion dollar industry and it is with like snacks, like people sit there on stream and like, I was playing, I was streaming some days like 13 hours straight and like it's crazy. I was playing literally like every day playing Warzone for 12 hours and I loved it. It was a little bit on the unhealthy side, but it's fine. I, but yeah, you're like sitting there gaming and like you heat up food or like you, and I am in that fitness and or like world and I'm, I care about what I'm putting into my body. So I can see how like people, the typical like gamer, you might think. I like forgot about this, but you think Mountain Dew and Doritos and like whatever. And this is a whole nother topic that we could probably talk about. But when you see like retailers doing, trying to do like gaming campaigns, those are the foods that they push. Those like high sugar, whatever. And it's so weird to me because I'm like, who is in charge of these like gaming retail campaigns? Because it's not always like that. And those don't have to be the options that you're like serving these gamers. <laughs> but yeah. it is like you're just sitting there. I mean, it's the same thing as like sitting there watching movie and like eating popcorn or whatever. Like you it's it goes you have to if someone's sitting there and gaming for a while, they're eating snacks or beverages, especially these like live streamers. They're doing it on stream. So it is it does go hand in hand. And it could be so successful if done the correct way. Yeah, I love it. I'm big on that right now. So at my agency, there's this guy named Simon. I had him come to my house and try to set up this. I don't even know what these doodads are called, but there's this thing that has buttons, which switches what game you're playing or something like that. He has, he knows. Deck? Yes. <laughs> I'm such a poser. I don't know. How he, I'm not good with technology, but I know that he's working on that for me. I've got all this stuff over here in my monitor, like right here to play, but it's so much fun. And I hope that Perfy can grow to a point where I can spend some time on that. Like I'll play online like my gamer tag is perfy bossa or the clan is perfy or whatever yeah. i'm trying to build that whole that whole i guess posse on warzone or a multiplayer but it's so fun like growing up as a kid i played like legend of zelda i think like i was on any i was on nes i never even got past level one of section z my brothers were into it i got five older brothers so it was like i was the youngest of them and i whenever i got my playing time i had to make the most of it but i think gaming's so fascinating i think some of the brands that are leading the way are doing such a good job. Yeah, and I love seeing the healthier brands get into the gaming world because, like we said, like typically it's thought of as not a healthy spot. But that was actually when I had like my best stress reliever, like work-life balance, because you could go to the gym and when you go to the gym, you say that's like your stress reliever, but like you're lifting and still thinking about work or thinking about the stresses in your life or thinking about this. But when you're gaming, you literally can't think about anything else besides what's going on in the game. And it really is like the only thing that I can do that truly takes my mind off of like any other stressors. And when I consistently game, that's like what I'm like, the like it's the best like work-life balance to me as long as you do it the right way. And it's a good like team builder. Like when I would get like my whole like support team, I'd try to get them to come game with me. Like afterward, I'd be like, stop answering tickets. We can get to them tomorrow. Like we shouldn't be answering tickets between these times. Come game. Let's like chill. And tomorrow we can come back with a refreshed mind and hit it again. It It's just, just depending on the way you look at it. I think 
Kenny Hansen was just ripping on someone saying that gaming was a waste of time. And then I got on a call with him and we were talking about gaming and he was like, I need to publicly apologize to all the gamers now. Yeah, I think there's some terrible stereotypes about like being in your parents' basement, eating waffles <laughs> in Mountain Dew. And yeah, it can be that, but it can also be something else. I play Warzone whenever I'm a little too stressed. I was telling Ramba today earlier, I'll play the drums when it gets real weird. Like whatever I can do to sustain the level of work that I need to put out there. And one thing that's cool about gaming is it's, I'm probably going to get judged for this, but I read a book called The Rise of Superman. And it talks about, it's by Stephen Kotler. And it talks about how like big wave athletes, when they're on that that wave and it's like a life or death scenario, like a fraction of a second or millisecond can be the difference between life and death. And when you're in that, you also be like, you're in your flow, like not know that you're balancing on the surfboard or whatever it may be. And for me, drums and gaming is that place where time stops. It just, you're in your zone, You whatever, if you're using a PC, right? I use controller, don't judge. But if you're, you have to make so many decisions right there so you don't get killed in the game or whatever it may be. It's, I think there's a lot of similarities and I'm going to get judged like crazy for that. Oh, I love that. It, I think it's a, a very relatable point. And the other part of it too is not only alone, but like the team building thing. It is like a really good way to just do something that it's especially during COVID when you couldn't go outside. In Chicago, it was very locked down. Like you weren't supposed to see anyone and whatever. And I'm, I like to do co-ed sports and stuff. And all of that was like gone. And that was like a whole like team building thing. So this was just like my outlet to do both of those things, like a team building exercise that was also a stress reliever. Yeah, 100%. What co-ed sports? Flag football? Flag football, volleyball, softball. And then I was on the soccer team just because I needed a girl, but I hated it. That's fine. Cool. Let's uh, let's pull out of the gaming talk. I want to talk more specifically on chomps. And there's one topic. I saw Pete comments on LinkedIn. And I was like, yes, get after it. It's about more of this cricket and people that hate meat and think that meat's ending the world. I'm sure you get a ton of tickets about like you guys being murderers of the planet. How do you deal with that? We act, surprisingly, we don't get that many tickets because a lot of our customers are like people who do meat. I'm surprised we don't get more people, but it's really what you said about Pete in his LinkedIn profile, like next to his name, it literally says not vegan. But it is like... I think that maybe five to eight years ago, we might have got more backlash where it was like, if you're not vegan, you're ruining the world kind of it was like going vegan or at least vegetarian. But if we were to get some of those tickets first, and Pete would, Pete would agree with this, where it's, it's like Pete's baby. He, I think he gets like a little bit more defensive than me and Kate if we're in the tickets where we would just ignore it because you're not going to change anyone's mind. And that's what's with any tickets that's coming at you and trying to insult you. It's a waste of time to go back and forth with these people because and I've seen it in multiple companies, but you get so caught up in being like trying to defend the brand and where it is that they're fighting about. And it really, you're never going to change. If this is, if that's what the people they think, then you're not going to change their mind. Like maybe we can refer them to some blogs or something that they can read or research, but it ultimately you're not going to change their mind. We just let it happen. And now it's cool because you like the carnivore diet and I'm not sure how to defend the whole like impacting the world, the world kind of thing, but we honestly don't see it too much. Maybe a, 
if it was a couple of years ago with the whole vegan revolution, we'd see it. Yeah, I've got, I'm a big fan of meat and I said this on a, an episode before. I don't like animal cruelty, right. but I'm also a meat eater. I don't like the idea of people eating dogs that can be domesticated or dogs that are just overly cute and sweet or animals in general, like rabbits and those sorts of things. I don't judge people for it. Like when they do eat a rabbit, I'm like, damn, that thing's too cuddly. I wouldn't eat it. Or a duck, but you don't have their choice. I know champs, we pride ourselves in like free range, grass fed. Like we are very passionate about not being cruel to the animals and we won't use anything that's any suppliers that have like that type of animal cruelty. But yeah, it's any of the claim. It's so hard to make claims like that where you're attacking someone's beliefs or the way they want to do the things because nobody's perfect so it's very like if you're gonna come at someone and say you're they're ruining the world because of this and that then they better be like freaking jesus because i'm sure they're doing something that's against what even what they're saying for sure i'm sure they've thrown out a cardboard box before in the trash (laughs) yeah one of the founders of co-founders of quest told me he's always big at like trivia like at dinners and stuff i'll never forget this one he's if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only live off of food for and survive the longest. So the goal is to survive the longest. You have one one food that you can choose. What would it be? And I said pickles. I was like, pickles, and I don't think they ever get bad. I was like, There's I no calories in pickles. I think it's, I think it's pickles. Uh, it's a bad answer. And he, it's, he said it was red meat. And, I, and it's so interesting because I think that the carnivore diet, there's like miraculous things that I've seen happen or at least read about that have happened when people focus 100% on meat. I know that I felt my best when I was on a carnivore diet. Yeah, I haven't tried the carnivore diet. I've tried lots of diets because that was like part of my thing, especially when I worked at GNC because we'd get people in asking about these diets. And I am such a person that I need to try something to really be able to give the best advice. So I would do all kinds of diets just to see, like for at least a month, just to see what it would feel like, how I felt. And I did find that you just really have to find... It doesn't matter what the diet is, but it's the, it's the one that works for you and you feel the best on it. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing, but it's literally the one that works for you. And that's like the best advice that I would give to people trying to either put on size or just lose weight or just feel healthier and have more energy. But the carnivore diet is really interesting. We have, we have I think, a couple blogs at our website about it, but that's the number one blog that we get questions because we put a lot of informational content on our site, one to like help, but also SEO. We love a good SEO. But the carnivore diet is the one that we get the most questions on. And people will ask, this is a whole nother tangent. People just don't understand macronutrients. They'll ask, I don't know, the silliest things, but you can't blame them because it's not taught well in school or anything. But yeah, I've heard great things about the carnivore diet, which is just such a literal 360 from a vegan diet. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I did it for a month or two for the most part, but it wasn't like a strict one. Like I saw this one doctor on Instagram that he ate like papaya or bananas and also like honey and stuff. So it was a little bit lenient and fresh orange juice. I was big on that. But then I was spending like $17 worth 64 ounces of fresh orange juice at Whole Foods. I had to cut that habit out the door. Yeah. Kick it out the door. (laughs) Let's talk about some other stuff that you're doing right now. The Oopsie podcast. Tell me more. Yeah. The main part of my career has been in like customer experience. The last couple years have really shifted from like customer support to customer experience. And I've just like seen the impact of that on a brand. We created, I'm sure some, a lot of the listeners know Eli Weiss, but 
we I reached out to Eli like maybe two two years ago because I wanted to I had major imposter syndrome. That's what it was. And I was like, I need to find like a leader to to tell me if what I'm doing is good, what I can improve on, blah, blah, blah. And I reached out to Eli because I saw he was putting out like good content out there about customer experience. And we just connected from there. And then a couple of months later, after that, we created this CX Discord, a customer experience Discord. And we've got over like 700, we might be close to 800 like CX leaders or even founders of companies who are oversee their CX team still. And someone I met through that Discord was Jess Fian from Feastables. And we just connected to, because she does like the similar job as me in at Feastables, the Mr. Beast brand for those, the Mr. Beast chocolate for those who don't know. But we just like vibed and just connected. And there was one topic in the CX Discord I shared. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like I shared something that I messed up at work, which I was like, it wasn't a big deal, but I was like beating myself up about it. And I was, I just shared it in the Discord. And there was like, it was like the most active ch- chain in our Discord because people were being very nice, first of all. But like second, they were bringing up things like, oh, at, if you did this, but at least you didn't do this. And someone even said, oh, at least you didn't make a 100% auto apply discount at checkout and leave it on for hours there was just the funniest shit that people did on like at in the work environment and we just started sharing these like oopsies and jess and i were talking one day and i went to an event and my like icebreaker for the event was like one just to i don't know, break the ice with like strangers at this d2cx event I would ask people, what's your biggest oopsie you've made at work in your career? And it was just like such, it would like light people's eyes up. And we just laughed about the funny stuff that you'd mess up at work. Everyone has their mistakes that they were sharing. And we just talked about it more. And we were like, this would be a fun podcast. Like all these stories are just hilarious. And you learn something from every time you make a mistake. And that was like the biggest thing is that every time something happened, you would create an SOP or make sure you you communicated better or had a better feedback loop from your customers. And we just decided to start it as a podcast and it's been so freaking fun. It's a very feel good and you can really learn from like everything other people have to share. And also just the vulnerability of people just admitting that you see these like companies and they're all talking about like how to get more sales and this strategy worked for me and this and that, but not a lot of people talking about like the faults in plans or things that didn't work. So it's been really fun to just get the vulnerable side of the marketing community and just hear everyone's stories. But yeah, Oopsie Podcast. We just launched episode five today. Oh yeah, congrats. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm not going to share mine just yet. But I will share that one of the worst ones I've heard is someone adding a few extra zeros on a daily budget on Facebook. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's one of the worst ones I've heard. I think I know which one mine is, but uh, I'll save that for another day. Save it for our podcast. We'll have you on and tell it. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I want to go a little bit into retention. Then my favorite part of the the show that I'm adding into it will be after that. But with retention, how was it bringing on your your SMS provider and all of that? What's it like? How's it been treating you? What are you seeing out there? Yeah. Retention is such an interesting, I was so intimidated by the whole retention aspect of my job because one, you have to be really patient because retention is usually looked at as like at least like on the minimum, like three month thing. So like once what you do today, you can't really tell. And 
depending on the product, like it could be different, but you can't really tell if retention projects or initiatives are working until whatever. So that was one thing that's been really hard for me is I need to be more patient. But I've been at first when I was doing retention projects, it was more of those like surprise and delight moments and testing different things in that you would do upon like people actually getting their product and looking at those. And then I slowly but surely adapted more responsibilities and took on like email and SMS marketing. But we signed with PostScript and switched from the Clavio SMS. Nothing super wrong with Clavio SMS, but they didn't have like everything. I'm just very picky. They just, there's some things that I didn't love about Clavio SMS. So I switched over to PostScript and we just, I think my first campaign with them was like a Halloween campaign. So been with them since then. But I noticed that at first with SMS and maybe some brands, I'm sure other brands think of this too. It's just such an intimate platform or intimate thing to ask of your customers, right? You're asking for their phone number. And especially, I think like Neil's and Gen Z are like more, they don't care. They're like, whatever. Yeah, take my phone number. I'll get a discount. But I think like anyone older than that is a little bit more protective over their like privacy and whatever. And uh, we were afraid to ask for that, like in a pop-up and be, we just like hit it in the footer or like maybe talked about it every once in a while in an email. But when I switched over to Clavia or to PostScript SMS and I added on our welcome pop-up, first it was an email and then second it would ask for the phone number. I saw the conversion rate. I didn't pull numbers to prepare for this or anything, but the conversion rate of people using that like welcome discount in the text form was astronomically higher than the email. And I'm thinking it's because like people get it to their phone, they click on it right away, they go to checkout. It's so easy where like email, you're like, you get it. Or sometimes there's like a little delay, even if you don't mean there to be a delay and sometimes it never comes or you have to go through, open up the email app. So then I it was... The conversion rate was so much higher that so I was like, let me just test it collecting SMS first. And now that like welcome campaign for SMS is our like top performing first time customer campaign. And that has been really fun for me to build because we have, I think we have such a small SMS list compared to our email list because we just frankly weren't collecting anybody's phone numbers. And but my SMS list performs like it's like almost performing my as high as my huge email list. So retention for that has been like sending replenishment reminders through SMS and I'll do different segments based on looking at what people purchased. If they purchased like a trial pack, for example, like I might want to send them in a replenishment or ask them a question about did, did you enjoy whatever flavors. And I've been using Emily to look at like the cohorts in like the purchase series of if someone I the trial packs are my favorite to to look at because you can see you could look at the trial pack and then after somebody buys a trial pack you could watch their journey of like their the flavors they buy so I've been using a lot of that like data looking back and changing different like email flows and sms flows to help with that retention but yeah retention has been like an addictive thing for me to learn it's still new and i feel like i have that blind eye to it where i didn't know what i was doing i was just like really thinking as a consumer and i think that's played like a role in some of the different strategies that i've put in place because i have it i didn't have anyone telling me like oh this is what always works and whatever 
I did a lot of A-B testing. I tested our before we were just sending out like professional photography that was like whatever and like a typical marketing message. And then I started te A-B testing it next to a selfie of someone, e either me or someone from the team and be like, oh, I'm on my way to the gym. I just, I grabbed like a jalapeno chomps. Hope you guys are having a good day. And like just a link to the shop, like no discount, anything. And I found that people interact with that way more. They click through way more. And so I really tested the, that like humanization and personalization of the retention flows from that too. Oh yeah. What do you think healthy retention sales as a percent of total online sales should be? This is so hard for me to to answer because our repeat customers are always so much higher than our new customers. But it's because one of the reasons it's just is just such a hard question for me to answer because we don't have any paid media on right now. And so we don't have as many eye, new eyes to our site from paid media. So our retention rate, like a lot of times, like we have three times as many repeat customers that we do new customers. But it's not necessarily, it's great that our customers are coming back, but I never know if this is, a, maybe we just, we should have more new customers, but keep that same, the same amount of people coming back. But right now our, we're, yeah, we're like two to three times X our repeat customers, which is great to see that people are coming back to repurchase jobs. It's amazing. Yeah, it's definitely a product that's going to be rebought a lot. And then I'm sure because Perfy's in retail, in some retailers right now too, right? Yeah. So this episode is coming out not next week, but the week after, and that's when I'll announce it. But you're one of the first to know that we're rolling out into all Wegmans and come and go. See, that's so exciting. And this is where I struggle too, because you don't, you can see like the behaviors of your customers, but like maybe some of these customers that I'm emailing and they haven't purchased in the last six months, like they might be purchasing exactly. the store and it's, you can like survey them, but not everyone's going to fill out a survey. So we, you could really just do the best that you can. And that's why I have a, a, also a large focus on not just sending sales emails, but sending like blogs and helpful content and just like getting, keeping your brand as like top of mind of your customers, because they, even though they're not purchasing on your site, they might go to your literally any local store for chops and pick them up on shelf. Yeah. That's my overall strategy is building online. I call it house file. It's your SMS list, your email list, your app downloads, everything where you have a consumer touch point, there'll be overlap in those. Like you have a Facebook group and they're also an SMS subscriber. But at the end of the day, if you're building that, you can call them to action online or in store. And for me, I'm running our trial pack right now, only 50 bucks a day on, on, on Facebook. It's working pretty well, but my goal is to build that house file. So when I roll out into Wegmans in two weeks and it's on shelf, I can geo-target the list based on state or whatever it may be and drive them there with an aisle, an offer from aisle, like one free can on us. Yeah. I think it's important too, especially, I think there's opportunity in non-purchasers. In every account that we work with, we have a non-purchasers list and I always have the team. I don't handle it anymore. But there's always at some point, maybe once a quarter, hey, we noticed you haven't bought from us before. Here's a link to our store locator. You could find us in store if you want. Because oftentimes minimum order quantities online are what's prohibiting acquisition but it's what's enabling retention. If that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I'm, did you say you started the aisle program yet? My thing with aisle with the, and this could be also a whole nother conversation, but yeah. with them sending the stuff from a different phone number and 
are you sending i was thinking because we haven't rolled this out i was thinking about starting a campaign that was like at first you're they're texting them from aisle right and they have this phone number from aisle and they're getting the venmo and whatever but then i wanted to, to like slowly welcome them into the chomps text from because it's a different phone number do you have any flows set up like that where you're like welcoming them to your actual phone numbers i haven't thought about that and i haven't thought of it like i don't think i would necessarily want that i want to separate the two but mm -hmm. engage with aisle other than the automations right now so if someone converts in store with a buy three get one free or just get one free can then I want to drip them off of that offer. I don't want to give a free can every time. So then it'll go to $2 or $1 or 50 cents or 25 cents. And I think that's the important part with the flows. But the most important part about Isle is that you actually get that. Typically, you've got to use Inmar or Mandlick and Rhodes. Clearinghouse, it's a weekly fee. It's yep. the redemption fee. It's all of these different things that add up so much more. I love that Isle actually has a touch point afterwards, whereas the other clearing houses that were traditionally used years ago, they don't, you don't have that. You don't know who it is. Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to master more. And this is my goal, like 2023 goal for retention is collecting more zero party data from our retail customers because it's hard, right? And Isle's like a way, but like you said, like you don't really want to bother those customers outside of like their, those in part in store purchases. But we, are and maybe do you guys have QR codes on your products or on the packaging? I have a QR code on the new cans that we just produced last week, but it goes okay. to our story, not to anything salesy. Okay, because I am going to experiment with swapped QR because they send you can change the landing page for the QR code anytime you want. And first landing page, I want it to collect email, SMS, and but you can incentivize them however you want. But then like after you collect that, then you can send them to wherever. So like mm. we can send them to the site or we can send them to our TikTok or whatever. But you can you can put one QR code on there, but then customize that experience and change that experience whenever you want. And that's I'm going to try to try that out to see if we can not steal sale from retailer because we're like we don't care where people buy chomps. But for that, like you said, the just the brand awareness and being able to market that to them and send them an email every once in a while to just keep front of mind. We are missing out on so much zero party data from our retail customers. So that's like my goal in 2023 is find a healthy way to like close that gap. Yeah. Super smart. I actually have one oopsie for you. Okay. It was actually a sick idea. When I launched Dr. Perfy, I had an insert go out with the VIP kits. The uh -huh. problem was our 3PL didn't ship them in the first 50 or 60. And I only sent out, I think a hundred VIP kits. And in the insert was a QR code with a how-to. And my goal was to get them to scan that QR code. It went to a TikTok and it gave them instructions on how to stitch it. And I did this epic video with like hummingbirds humming, like earth, like panning out. And it was just like the most epic video to stitch because as you take the first sip, I wanted the side of the screen to be that epic video. It, I don't think one person did that, but all that, yeah, it was, I think a cool idea in theory, but definitely didn't pan out for me. I know. That's like the one thing is QR codes. It's like you have these ideas, but who actually wants to scan a QR code? So like you have to play around with that, like what the messaging is around the QR code or whatever. So definitely have to play around with that. But I think it is even just that whole community engagement where it's I don't I actually made a tweet about this a little bit ago. But I'm like, does anyone remember how it was like, oh, use hashtag blah, blah, blah. And I think we still do that these days, but nobody ever uses hashtag blah 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 it's like trying to engage your community and i think that's what, like a lot of brands do this well is like 
just making a place for your community is like the way to go because like just asking your consumers to just randomly post like a picture of your meat stick in the middle of their profile, their Instagram profile grid of all their family. No one's going to do that. But so it's very interesting to see, like figure out what works for what brand. Yeah. So many ideas to get that going. Let's switch over to the fun part. The last question, if Chomps was a celebrity, who would it be? I want to say The Rock. The Rock. Okay. What makes you say that? Because he is like a healthy person, right? And But he's not only healthy, but he is a very positive person and fun, witty type, like playful attitude. And that's what Chomps tries to be too. And with we have inside of our meat sticks, we have a Chompspiration is what we call it. Call it, you peel away, you peel off the wrapper and on the inside it has a little inspirational quote. And I think that just like aligns with the rock. I'll take it. All right. So where can everyone find the Oopsie Podcast, Chomps? We'll link it in the show notes and all of that. Yeah. So you can find Oopsie Podcast on any streaming platform. I'm pretty sure. I think I'm doing it right. But Spotify and Apple Music is like the top two places people listen. Chomps.com is where you can try Chomps. You can get 15% off of Chomps if you do code ZOE15, Z-O-E-1-5. So if you want to try Chomps and you haven't before, you can get 15% off. And if you want to find me, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. I've been tweeting a lot. Love Twitter. If you're in the like D2C e-com space and you're not on Twitter, you're missing out. But it's just Zoe Khan on both of those platforms. Z-O-E-K-A-H-N. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. And I really appreciate the chat. Thank you.